0: We are a band of brothers,
1: diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together and you are one of us.
0: This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the broadcast. I'm your host, Evan Utaki and I want to welcome you as always to the podcast. As always, I have Matt Schrader here with me today. We are going to break down the February luncheon with Chris Hart. Before we jump into that, Matt, welcome. How are you doing? Always good to see you. Hopefully you're staying warm in this crazy
1: weather that we're having. Man, likewise. And of course, it is great to be back on this podcast with you. It's been a tremendous year so far. I'm excited about where we're headed and where we're going. Uh, My week has been a cold week. Of course, I clean windows. We were just talking about that. Um, I clean windows and I have guys that clean windows for on behalf of the company. And yes, it's been a challenge, but we kind of take it with stride and work with the cold weather and figure out how to pack it in when it gets warm again. Hopefully in about a week it'll be back to 50 degrees. Pretty uh spring will be on its way in and there will be plenty plenty of glass to clean. So things have been good, man. Good to hear from you, good to see you. What about you though? How has your week been and give me an update.
0: Man, I tell you what, it's one of those things where I didn't think about not being able to like go out and enjoy outside as much and not traveling as much. It's not, it's you know, COVID's still going on, but I don't know if this feels like a combination where I'm uh I'm in the same place a lot, so I'm getting a little bit of the cabin fever. So uh, I went out. I've gone to the gym a couple times, braved the uh, brave the weather brave the weather to make it happen, and uh, I'm glad that I did. But I'm I'm ready for spring. I'm a spring and summer guy. Uh, Blake talked about he's a fall guy. I think that makes a ton of sense. All three days of it. Uh, so there's. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think winter if I can't ski, if I can't use the snow for anything i just i just don't need it anymore so uh we can just move straight into spring, start having every all the the leaves start and the flowers starting to bud all the new life coming through. I can start working in my yard and uh man that that'll be great. The kids have been home from school all week, uh so they're doing distance learning, which is great, but uh man, I tell you what uh I am ready for a little bit of. Uh, just normal schedule to come back if there is such a thing. But anyway, I want to jump into uh, I want to jump into this uh, this breakfast because um, I I don't know about you, but uh, just kind of thinking about like I've had a little bit of extra time because of this week and everything else to kind of soak in some of the uh, points that Chris brought up, and I'm I'm excited I'm eager to jump into it, but I'm a little nervous too because I think some of the things that he spoke about. Uh, maybe like struck a nerve with me. And so I'm excited to kind of talk through them, but a little nervous at the same time. And so uh, just initial thoughts, uh, you know, we have an opportunity to come together as men uh, for the breakfast. We have an opportunity to challenge each other, to encourage each other. Uh, That's why we have a brotherhood. But I think one of the things that for me, one of the most valuable parts of a brotherhood is sometimes you can have those tough conversations with each other where it's not an attack, it's not uh, something it, that is basically you know telling you hey you suck, uh, but it's a challenge, and I think that uh, you know Chris's uh, message on. Friday was a challenge, and I don't know if you took it that way. Uh, and I'll dive into that a little bit deeper, but uh, I'm curious: did, w- was it more of a like a feel good thing for you, or uh, was it something that you kind of walked out and said, "Man, I got a little bit of homework uh, this weekend that I need to chew on"?
1: Yeah, uh, well, not to be the people blazer, but both. I mean, come out of the blocks. You know, you made three good points. Come out of the blocks, not a duplicate or not a counterfeit, not a duplicate. You're authentic, and I thought, yeah awesome. I'm excited. Heard this, embodied it. Being a part of Brotherhood has helped me walk through that same process. Then he moves along, man your post. And he, but he gets to the end. Man, he starts talking about, I know we're going to get this. So I'm, I'm almost jumping to the end, but I'll try not to. <laughs> but the guy who carries Simon, the Cyrene who carries the cross. And then remember, he makes that reference that I had to go back and find where later on in the epistles, Paul references two men of God that I guess the theologians have traced that back to Simon. Alexander kids. and Rufus. Yeah. What, what? Oh, that was the challenging part to me. I mean, it, immediately I'm like, wow, that's an impact. Am I doing that for my children? Like, or am I like, are my days spent carrying a cross or are they spent barking at them because they didn't clean their room or brush their teeth or whatever happened? Man, that's so up until that point I'm feeling good. You know, those uh messages you're like, yeah, this is awesome, awesome. And then boom, hits me. I'm like, oh man, that's not what I wanted to chew on this weekend. Not nah, what, but it's like everything God does. I'm happy I'm chewing on it right now because it's a good, it's a good practice and discipline for me.
0: Well, this podcast might be a little different uh, because this is like a Tarantino podcast where we're talking about the end first. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad you set that up because I, I feel like it, it's it's interwoven. Like all of the different points were interwoven. When I, The hard part for me is at a breakfast, it's seven-ish in the morning. Uh, so I don't know about you. I'm not a morning person. So uh, as much as I want to be fully engaged and have my brain just completely consuming all the content that's coming out – uh, I know I took notes. I went through those notes. I went through it a second time and took notes when I was actually awake and completely different. Uh, I, I walked away with a completely different uh, mindset from it and and thoughts kind of tied to all of it. But all, all those things you just spoke about are things that I definitely want to dig into. Um but before we get to those let's 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 go back to the beginning uh, because I think the the first one like I started uh, kind of going through my notes and listening to what he was saying about not being a counterfeit you're not a counterfeit you're not a duplicate you are genuine you're fearfully and wonderfully made for a purpose and I think that as he kind of got into that specific message at first I went okay yeah I get it Like I, you know, God created me to be me. I'm unique. I have a special set of skills, right? Uh, I have a purpose. I have all those things. That was, that was kind of my initial walk away. And again, you know, that's something that we've hit on, I think on this podcast multiple times, just finding your purpose, the whole uh, uh, one degree conversation that we had, that I had with Dave Jewett, that's all lining into your purpose and and figuring out why God created you to be the man that you were created to be. As we get further along into what what Chris was talking about, sometimes that purpose is to protect our families. Sometimes that that is to to stand in the gap for other people until they're ready uh, to do the same thing. And so all of those different things were were really kind of at the forefront of my mind. But as I chewed on it a little bit further, it. I kind of uh, honed in on that word uh, counterfeit. And for me, um, this is a topic that I've talked about a little bit in the past, not necessarily on this podcast, but uh, having that, uh, that feeling. Um, and I don't know if you've heard of this terminology before, the imposter syndrome. Uh, are you familiar with that? I am familiar, yes. So the imposter syndrome is something that I didn't know that I had until somebody specifically talked about it. And then when they talked about it, I was like, oh my goodness, like they are reading my mail right now. And it was, it was the weirdest thing for me because as I have kind of grown in my leadership roles and grown into the things that, that I've done all throughout my career in my life, um, it feels like the further along I get, a lot of the times, I sometimes attribute those things, even though with all the vast knowledge that I have of God creating me for a purpose and all those other things, that sometimes that those things were the, the accumulation of luck, they were uh, maybe being in the right place at the right time, or maybe I've kind of expanded beyond what I was kind of created to be. And somebody's gonna find out that I've been faking it for the last 10 years. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way before, but that was a really like sobering moment for me that even in my, you know, my late 30s, early 40s, that the imposter syndrome is a is a very real thing that you even when you know about it, you continue. To deal with it. And I think for me, that's when, he's, when his statement, you are not a counterfeit or a duplicate. You are a genuine creation. I'm not just trying to emulate what somebody else is doing and you know finding success in that. I'm successful and you're successful in the things that we're doing because God created us to be those things. So I don't know if it hits you that way, but man, that was something that really kind of struck a chord with me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've dealt with myself with the imposter syndrome. And quick shout, you mentioned your late 30s and you mentioned the 40s there. That's because this is the big birthday month. That's right. Yeah. If you see Evan Otake out on the streets, you catch a glimpse of this superstar, man, tell him happy birthday. He turned 40 this month and he gets to celebrate (laughs) for the next, uh, there's still another 20, 10, 15 days left in February. So, man, live it up. This is your birthday month. Happy birthday. I'm excited. Thank Welcome you. Welcome to the 40s. Welcome to asking some questions of yourself that aren't necessarily asked in the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the imposter syndrome. Yes. So, a friend of ours, Mark Delaney, talks about this in different terms. Um of uh, his ministry's family paradigms and he talks about something happens in our life and we hide and then we spend our life hiding in the bushes and he's calling back to you know Adam and Eve back in the first first few days of creation it's this idea that somehow we're a fraud and a fake and eventually everybody's going to find out and then they're all going to point at us and we're going to be stuck there and everybody's going to know we don't belong and yes Man, I know about it and still deal with it. Still have to go to the word of God and remind myself that I was made in his image. So in a way, I am actually a reflection of him. So if he's putting me there, I'm equipped, I'm ready to go. And Yeah, he speaks to that when he comes out of the box. And really he sets us up for the right hook later on when he's going to talk to us about manning our posts, talk to us about these different things is that we are, you know, he even did some great, questions. He called a few people, not specific people, but like, you know, he talked to business owners. He talked to employees. He talked to people in different roles that men face and just had us all ask a question, ask ourselves certain questions that would kind of reveal whether or not there was some feelings of being counterfeit, some feelings of not being my, our true original selves. He kept saying, you know, as he moved into Man Your Post, He talked about how decisions were emotional. Remember he said, and he said this phrase, he says, decisions are emotional. Choices require consistent character. And the image that kept coming up in my mind was that, so I'm going to take us back. Hopefully everybody connects with this. But you remember the uh, movie Back to the Future? So in Back to the Future, for those of you who, Did not see it or have not seen it yet.
0: You know, us in the forties club are very well aware.
1: (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) The thirties and twenties club, you may have to explain it to them. Yes, yes. So there's a portion. So he goes back in time, and of course, there's always this question with time: if you go back and you change something, does the things that you came that were in the present do they change? So he's kind of dealing with this every time. Moving movie has to deal with it. So they have this photograph, remember, of his family, and they're fading away. The more closer and closer he gets to failure, the more his family members fade away. And essentially, he's fading away. At one point in time in the movie, he starts to disappear, remember? And it's because he's got to get his parents together and all this stuff. But anyway, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. So he's dealing with this time paradox of, is he going to be real later on in life? And it, it started making me think. So as a counterfeit, I kind of feel like this thin, transparent version that someone's about to see through. And the more I make these consistent choices that reflect my character, the more I ground into truly who God has me to be. And it starts to, as I make consistent choices based on a character that God is developing in me, I start to lose that sense of I'm not supposed to be here. And I'm starting to get that sense of God put me here. So that is what gives me the place and authority to walk in wherever I am, even if, and this is, even if I'm not qualified. Because where I get the imposter syndrome, where I start feeling like a counterfeit, is when I start looking at my title or my position of leadership and start rem- remembering that I am not very qualified for this spot. Like, that's where, like you mentioned luck. That's where I start making the conclusion, well, it must have been luck. I must, I, I must be here just by sheer chance and don't really have the qualifications and I have to of course remind myself that assuming God put me in that place of course there's been times where I wasn't put in that place and I had to eventually God move me but assuming God put me in that place is like that's my qualification and he continued to remind us that if God made us in his image that's our qualification that's what makes us an authentic original and in the position we're supposed to be
0: yeah, absolutely. I, there's when you're talking about hiding, and you're and you're ta- you're talking about uh, you're basically not stepping up and and not being willing to kind of make those decisions. Because I I think even going into the the fact that uh, or the statement that he said that decisions are emotional. I think my emotions are dictating whether or not I step up uh, because of the imposter syndrome, because I'm fearful, because I think that all of these different things that are going on around me, even though I have the accomplishments that I have, even though I've been able to, uh, do all the things that I've been able to do. Uh, I'm part of that is I'm taking credit for it, which again, uh, is not how I was created to be. I'm trying to create my own kingdom instead of, you know, creating God's kingdom, uh, as well as, you know, I think part of that is an attack from the enemy that he doesn't want me to step up and be the leader that I was created to be. So he's going to put those thoughts in my mind and and, and give me that imposter syndrome because I'm going to be way less effective. And when we get further on into manning our post, I'm not going to be willing to man the post. It's good. Because I don't think that I have the ability to man that post, even though – I mean, you look at uh, the story he was talking about with uh, all the marks in his staff uh, for when Moses went to the Red Sea. He was able to look at that and say, hey, uh, God has come through for us every single time. And here, here is, uh, he's bringing to remembrance through the staff all of those different times that God has come through. Why would he not come through for us now? And I think that's one of the things that the importance of taking that time, and, and having gratitude and looking at some of the things that you've been able to accomplish uh, through God. And all the things that God has done for you. Uh, And I think that that's one way to battle that imposter syndrome. And I think that's one way to take the emotions out of some of the decisions that you need to make, because you know that he's gotten you through all those things. Uh, If we truly surrender our pride and surrender our leadership to him, uh, which is, I'm still figuring that out. uh, And and I'm still trying to figure out at what point is him trusting me and me needing to trust him, uh, what, what those decisions look like but it takes a lot of that pressure off and it allows me to act and it allows me to do the things that i need to do when you look at the imposter syndrome and the struggles that i didn't even know i had with it until probably about three days ago when i started digging into this and just realizing man i gotta i need to do something about this because it's 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 paralyzing me from doing whatever god has next for me and putting my trust in myself i gotta let that go I think part of that is the gratitude. And the other part of it, and and I'm gonna bring this up every opportunity I get, is having a brotherhood around you who's seen you have those victories and they're there to encourage you. They're there to remind you of those things. They're there to challenge you. So Chris is not a direct friend of mine. I don't actually I'd never heard of him before, but he was put in a position through my brotherhood to speak into my life and challenge me. To overcome some of these uh, some of these things that I didn't even know I was dealing with until I did a little bit of self reflection based on what he was saying and said you know what. That is something that I really need to hone in on because I think right now, uh, you know, part of it could be turning forty. Part of it could be just, you know, the responsibility of actually having to, you know, make something of my life at the same time, completely forgetting everything else that's happened in the first forty years. Uh, it, it it's one of those things that I needed people like Chris, like you, like everybody in my brotherhood to. Encourage me to challenge me uh, and to speak into my life to say, Hey, we need to man our post. We need to step up. We need to make these decisions. You need to be a leader. You are a leader. Here's all the different things that you've done as a leader, and make sure that you keep God at the center of all that. I think that's why we we need to have a brotherhood, and that's why I'm always going to point back to the brotherhood in these instances because I think even with the imposter syndrome is crippling, and uh, as difficult as it can be to navigate that, you know that that doubt in your mind that's making you question every decision that you make. When you have that brotherhood surrounding you, challenging you, and encouraging you, you—that's ha- where courage comes from. That's where you have the confidence to take those steps because you're you're stepping side by side with your brothers and leading into uh, the man that God created you to be.
1: Man, that's such a great picture of brotherhood. I I love that you can bring out the example that you didn't even know, Chris, because you're right. It's That brotherhood that you're a part of, this is why it's so pivotal for people listening to be at the events and at the breakfast is because you're sitting there being introduced to somebody who one of your brothers introduced. So there's so many that there's levels of trust that come there. There are levels of vulnerability that come there. And then Chris gets to speak or really let's say this correctly. God gets to speak through Chris into your life. And it comes to a medium that you didn't necessarily expect, wouldn't have run into on your own, you know, Chris being part of a different community of believers, he wouldn't even, you wouldn't even ran into him at church. So man, that's incredible. And that it really is the importance of brotherhood. And it reminds me of a scripture that Chris actually used and quoted It's Nehemiah 414. And it's this same picture. So if you weren't at the breakfast, Chris stands a few of his friends up and kind of sets us up and tells us the story of Nehemiah, Norma, Nehemiah being the cupbearer, takes us to the wall. And then he puts the member in positions of the wall, getting to that second point, man, your post. So, not to, I know we're not there yet, but right there <laughs> in that scripture. So I'm not moving to that. What I'm trying to do is point out that that scripture that he uses. So he says, the scripture is this Nehemiah gets all the men up there and then sets their families behind him. But what I want to point at is he sat those men side by side. Up until this point, they're complaining, they're scared, there's threats. You know, this is the story where you got a brick in one hand, a sword in the other. So you're like building a wall at the same time, you're ready to fight off a, a combatant. And he stands them side by side and he says, this scripture. And he says, remember the Lord for he is great and awesome. And it's that it's the two things you just talked about. You saw you're standing side by side by another brother with a sword in his hand, remembering what you said up into these 40 years, what God has done for you. And this is God's antidote, if you will, to the imposter syndrome is remembering all the things God's done for you up to that point, And then looking side by side and seeing men who you know and whom you don't know. Standing there and standing up for their families as well, just man, an incredible picture of brotherhood that you got to walk through. Yeah, and and and, and kind of to that
0: point too is you know Nehemiah was not necessarily qualified for that position. No kidding. So he, he, he could have he could have just as e- e- uh, easily had the imposter syndrome in that situation. Now I think when your back's against the wall, and I think that you know you're basically forced to survive right i think that's when some of those instinctual things kick in and you're like well i'm here i got no other ch- i either lay down and get destroyed or I fight. And I think sometimes there are instances in life that that courage just wells up because you, your, your purpose is tapped into because it's the core purpose, right? It's, the, it's to bring others with you. It's to help other people. It's to point other people to God. Uh, and, and for me right now, it's my family. It's, you know, how am I raising my kids? How am I challenging my kids to grow in their relationship with God and with other people? And so, yeah, like that's a that that's a core value, that I if I'm cornered or if I got to fill that gap, that's something that I'm going to do. But I don't know that's something that I'm going to be thinking about when I'm trying to do thirty-five other things. So when I, when all those other distractions are going on, you know that's that's where some of those things maybe erode a little bit because we're not we're not putting those at the center of our attention, we're just trying to survive at that point. But when we go to full-blown survival and it's, hey, there's a hole in the wall, we got to build it, we got to fix it, and if the enemy comes, we got to defend it, I have very a, a very clear idea of what I'm supposed to do at that point. Uh, when there's so much opportunities and so many things for you to go out and do, I think you get a little bit of analysis paralysis because you're just like, I don't know what step to take because I'm putting so much weight on that next step. So from survival to stewarding your purpose, I think that's where this road splits a little bit to where, yes, these are core values. And I need to establish those core values. I need to identify what those things are. Um, But I think sometimes those things rise to the top automatically because you're just forced into that situation. One of the things I do want to talk about, though. Is when we get into the, some of those decisions that he was talking about uh, to make a decision, despite how you feel, uh, followed by character-filled choices. I, I think for for me, when he started talking about making those decisions and 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 being able to kind of overcome the emotions of it, I feel like that kind of what he's what he's pointing to is saying you should have core values. You should have basically a really good understanding of who you are and what are your yeah. principles, what is your character, so that when you're in those situations, the emotions don't matter. And I think that survival is one of those things where, you know, emotion doesn't matter. You're just like, if you, if there's, if there's, if your kid who doesn't know how to swim falls into a pool and you're wearing full clothes, you're going to jump in and save that kid. Like you're not going to think about emotions. You're not going to think about, I'm going to be cold. You're not going to think about anything other than I need to save that kid. And I think that goes down to your character. Um, but I think when we think about character that we need to really kind of analyze what creates our character cuz my character i think is different than your character right yeah, that's good. i think your character is different different than your wife's character and your kids character everybody's character is 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 something that's created crafted and and sculpted and so for me i was like okay what what does character mean because i think that sometimes we kind of gloss over that terminology of character but character really defines those decisions like i think sometimes in a leadership role i'm put into a role because they know my character. They know that if there's a certain decision that needs to be made, my character is in alignment and my decision making is in alignment with what they believe is in the best interest of, you know, m- me, my team, the company XYZ. And so character is defined as your habits, your motives and your thoughts and so on uh, and so on related to morality, uh, particularly as it concerns your moral self. Your moral life and your moral structure, uh, and it's and it it's built through virtuous behavior, and really, if you kind of tone or like break up character, because I think that's that's a lot to digest. There's there's three kinds of moral disciplines that are or moral parts to character. The moral discipline, which is having the discipline to make a tough decision. And, and recognizing that sometimes you're choosing a harder path to achieve something. So I think that's part of your character. But also realizing your moral attachment, which is making deci- decisions maybe that are sacrificing something for the greater good of your community, as well as, and I think this one's the most important one, uh, your moral autonomy, which you need to have an environment to build your character and to exercise your character character is gained through its expression and lost through its repression. So you have to constantly put your character out there and use it in an environment to continually mold that character. That character will change. That character will grow, but all of these different things combined create the character of who you are. So all everything that you've done up into your past, up until this very moment has defined the character that you have, and that's what's going to allow you to make the decisions that you make. And man, I started, maybe went on a little bit of a rabbit trail with that, but I think character for me is something that, like I want to be around good people. People with good character. I want to have good character. I want to be in a situation that my decisions are based on the right kind of character. That character that I've kind of seen in action. Which through a brotherhood, you will see good character in action. You'll also see bad character in action, and you'll you'll be able to make those mental notes and maybe subconsciously go, you know what? That's a, that's that's not the kind of character that I want to have. That's not the kind of character that reflects my company. That's not the kind of character that reflects my family. So you're constantly analyzing all of these different things and that's molding and creating the character that you have. And you're going to make those character filled choices based on all those experiences and all of that in, in combination with ignoring that imposter syndrome and recognizing that that character has been created for a purpose. Again, you got to stand up. You got to make those decisions, and you got to do the things that you need to do and lead how God created you to lead.
1: That's good. You know, it reminds me of one of the scriptures we rely upon uh, with brotherhood. Is uh, we re- kind of wrote it. It's Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, but we wrote it in the sense it says we strive to be strive to become more like Jesus, letting iron sharpen iron as we build it on. Authentic community. It's that iron sharpens iron verse. If you're around Christianity and men long enough, you'll hear this. But what you're what you're hinting at or what what's bubbling up inside of me is this idea that me being around you starts to prick at certain areas of my life. And it starts to refine those areas and knock off the softer parts. And when you talk about character, I think of that kind of hardened, strong part of. When you say the word core values, I think of that that hard part of me. That when you get to that bedrock, like there's no that that decision's already made. I've already made the decision that I'm going to stand up for my kids or stand up for a certain value or a certain morality code. I've already made that decision prior to the pressure. So when I get there, and you hit, and somebody hits, or a situation hits that bedrock, I'm ready to say. No, this decision is made. And that's that when we come together, you're starting to learn and see some of your character. And what what comes to my mind is this. uh, something I'm trying to find the words to communicate. And you started to hint at this idea that your character and my character are different. Not... One necessarily is better than the other, although that that could be the case. That's not what I'm pointing at. What I'm pointing at is there are values and strengths that God put in me as a slice of His image, and there are values and strengths that God put in you as a slice of His image that may be different. There may be values that God holds true that you're stronger than, in than I am, and I am stronger in than you are. And when we come together, it starts to bring those up and out. And I think the time you spend with God... And the time you spend in a group of men that are pursuing their own lives with God, you begin to see what God put inside of you that would that needs to come out and be an example to the brothers, that needs to be a core value of your own. Like your core values, my core values may be different, although both at the same time being godly. Yeah, and I think they can be aligned. You know, Chris brought out that idea that all of us together— are standing and minding our post. And when you're remembering your core values on a regular basis, when you are looking at how your character is on a regular basis, that notch or so that built that character on that staff begins to remind you the strength you have to stand and be in that post. You know, remember he sat us in front proverbially or in a picture in our mind in front of our families. They were behind us. You know, I thought of my kids. You know, remember he said that phrase, fight for those not yet ready to fight. Man, that hit me. I was like, oh man, that's my kids. These things that I am in a regular practice of going up against, my children, not only do they not have the strength, they haven't even realized that they have to fight it. I got a six year old, like, and younger. Like, they're not even, he's just coming into the fact that there's some issues out there that he's going to have to face and deal with. And here I am, his dad. I've got to stand up and walk before those issues, and he's watching me fight those issues whether he knows specifically he's watching it or not he's seeing it happen on a daily basis every single day as i uh fight those battles you know it's reminding me of lee martin's message several months ago um fighting for your kingdom that's what i mean those kind of things are rolling up what were you i'm interested though in the practical things you see for moral discipline, moral attachment, moral autonomy, that's incredible. And I've yet to hear it phrased that way of my character. Like I wrote it down. I'm taking notes right now of your stuff. Um, That's pretty incredible. Yeah, I I mean, so I was digging, I was just going to deep dive into character.
0: And so this was one of the things that really kind of rose up from it. And I I think part of it is, So when you think of the word discipline, right, you think of basically I'm saying no to specific things. Because I want to achieve something else, right? So, like, if I want to train for a marathon, I'm saying no to eating certain foods. I'm saying no to watching TV all day. I'm saying no to a lot of these different things. I'm having discipline, which I don't think that's a popular word right now. So, you know, if we get if we get canceled because of you know the word <laughs> discipline, I get kicked off of Apple Podcasts. <laughs> we'll get we'll get kicked off podcast. But I think that that's one of those things right now. It's 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 not uh, within our current culture to you know make those sacrifices we want to celebrate indulgence we want to celebrate our unique selves which you know there's a part of that but at the same time there's 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 somebody there's something about somebody who has the discipline to do an audacious thing that i think we admire and i think that when i when i think of somebody that's uh you know achieved uh let, let's let's take for example the Bridenstein breakfast, where we achieved making it to the moon, orbiting the moon, landing on the moon. And that was an audacious goal, but that took so much time and so much discipline to make that happen. We said no to a lot of other things. I'm sure there's other exploration we could have done. I'm sure there's other uh, you know, technologies that we could have developed. We said no to all of those things for the specific goal of landing on the moon. That took discipline, and I think that's something that we need to celebrate in our life, but that defined, I think, that generation of Oklahoma or Oklahomans. That defined that generation of Americans. And it defined our country at the time. Like for us, that was something that we needed to do. So I think we admire people who have the discipline to do those things. I don't think we celebrate people who just, uh, you know, are constantly influenced by the thoughts that fly in and out of their minds and they never really accomplish anything because they haven't had the the self discipline to do so i would much rather have a conversation with somebody if i'm trying to learn something with with somebody who's had a lot of discipline in their life as opposed to you know somebody who's you know lived at home with their parents and and sleeps you know still in the on the couch and you know plays video games all night. I'm not going to learn very much from them. And if if you're listening to this, you're taking the right step because you're you know you're getting in a brotherhood and hopefully I'm challenging you and speaking that into your life. <laughs> I hope. But but I don't I don't know what I can learn from you be, other than maybe like how to be really quick with my thumbs. I other I don't know. I don't know. But I you know if there's somebody who's achieved an audacious goal I have a lot of questions. How do you do that? How do you, uh, you how do you overcome when these obstacles, you know, c- show up? Because I want to, I want to learn how to overcome those challenges in my life. And and I think the other part of that character, so that so that part of your, your character is, is crafted. Um, and I think some of that is you're inspired through seeing other people, uh, and then you're realizing. The cost you're realizing, you know, some of the challenges. We talked about that in in his uh, message uh, to the brotherhood, where he talked about, you know, on the other side of progress is pain, and that discipline can be part of that pain. Sometimes that pain can be uh, sacrificing some of the things that you want to do because you know there's a greater purpose, and it's 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 recognizing, like for me, uh, when I'm listening to the message that Chris was talking about. For me, sac- like standing in that gap, I'm sacrificing, I'm sacrificing my own personal safety to fill a hole in a wall, as opposed to you know, doing something else. That that like as a man, I know that's what I'm supposed to do and I'm gonna do that job. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I wanna do it. <laughs> that doesn't mean like, hey, you know, today's a great day. I get to die for my country and my family. Nobody looks forward to that, but we know that we need to do that. So part of that moral attachment is recognizing that in my, I need to serve my community. I need, there, there will be times that I have to say no to myself to a- accomplish something gr- greater. And I want to be a part of something that's greater. And the the autonomy part is really just looking at, okay, so we have, uh, we need to be in an environment where we are constantly exercising our character. if, If we don't have adversity, if we don't have challenge, my character is not going to show You're not going to learn anything about me if everything is butterflies and roses in my life. You're going to see my true character when I face adversity. And part of my job is sharing that with you, like allowing people to see the weakness, allowing people to see the challenge. Uh, I think that's another reason for the brotherhood. But if you're able to see somebody in the struggle and you're able to see somebody overcome I think that's where your character is not just created, but it's also built and potentially inspires other people to have a good moral character. So for, for me, there's a ton of stuff that are just, Two inches below what he was talking about, but I'm hoping that even in these conversations, that we can challenge you to say, okay, first of all, what's the character of God? Because I think that tells me a ton about my relationship with Him and who He is and how uh, how He would make decisions and how He would do things. And you know, through his, through the, through the Bible and through His life, we're, we're able to learn a lot of those things. But then let me surround myself with the right kinds of people, people that exemplify the kind of character that I want to emulate and the kind of character that I kind of see as something that is uh, something that I want to strive to in my life. So that when I'm put in those positions and I'm put in those uh, areas where I need to make those decisions, I'm going to make those decisions based on the character that I've crafted. If we're surrounding ourselves with the 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 right kinds of people that are exemplifying that kind of character that we want to aspire to, we're going to make good decisions. If we surround ourselves with people that don't exemplify those things, we're probably going to make decisions closer aligned with the kinds of the pre- pe- kinds of people that we surround ourselves with. And I think that's where, you know, some of the challenges can come into looking at everything that's going on in our lives and, and maybe saying, hey, you know, why is it that I can't get past this point? Why is it that I'm struggling here? Why is it that I'm not able to achieve this thing? Well, I would challenge you, and I'm, and what I'm saying here is by no means, you know, something that I have created myself. A lot of people, uh, a lot of success coaches, and a lot of, you know, high-level leadership people uh, say, you are the people that, you, you become the sum of the people that you surround yourself with. And I think that part of that is that you emulate their character. You make decisions the same way they make decisions. And it's because you see the success with it, but you also see the discipline that it takes to make those decisions. And in some cases, you see them make a decision that doesn't benefit them, but it benefits the people around them, and they're willing to make that sacrifice. And so when I look at leadership and I look at – Uh, you know, my role in my family and I look at my role in my company, I look at my role in the people that I'm around. um, There's a lot of different things going on. And I think it's so easy to forget about all of that and just say, I feel like making, this is my, I'm going to trust my gut. This is what I feel like I should do. And sometimes you'll make the right decision. But sometimes that gut feeling is your character. It's it's what has been crafted of all of your life's experiences. And that's what's kind of pushing you in that direction. So when you get to that decision and and maybe you just kind of surrender all of the analysis and all of the decision making to that specific feeling, just know that that specific feeling came from somewhere. And it's because of all of the different character moments that you've had in your life that are that are leading to that decision does that make sense
1: yeah, man. That's good.
0: Did I make I think I went too deep? Did I go
1: too deep? You go too deep every single podcast, but that's why you're here, man. That's why okay, I, all right. somebody's got to take you to the deep end. Nobody's going oh. by themselves. Nobody's jumping to twelve feet by themselves. <laughs> somebody's got to drag you there first, make sure you're drowning, and then you figure out, hey, I can swim out here. So and I can yeah. live in the deep end. So yeah, man, absolutely. But don't keep me waiting much longer. We got to get to the right hook all by right. Chris Hart, all Simon right. of Cyrene. I'm feeling good until this moment then he brings out a fact I never knew about the Bible and a story that I rarely hear and waylays me with it.
0: (laughs) Well, I think what you're talking about is the moment that he challenged us to man our post because, and we've alluded to it, right? Um, You know, Nehemiah is in this position where he's having to command an army uh, and as well as be a general contractor. And he's positioning leaders in the community to, obviously help repair the wall, but also to defend the wall. And I think for me, the the part that really stood out to me was what we've talked about a little bit, is that he put those men in those positions, and then he put his their families behind him. And I think that was like the perfect picture, right? When he had those three guys walk up there, and he said, you stand here, you stand here, you stand here. And then he started talking about what was behind them. And I think when you think about all of the decisions that I make are going to impact the people behind me, and what am I willing to do? What are the sacrifices that I'm willing to make getting into that self-discipline? What am I willing to do to defend these people who uh, maybe aren't ready yet to defend themselves? That responsibility can be crushing because uh, I don't think that in America today, we're in a situation where we have to make those choices, or we have. It's it's not as crystal clear as a moment where I'm standing literally in a hole in a wall, and my family's behind me. I think that's a really great uh, picture of maybe what every day should be in our mind of every decision that i'm making i'm making for them i'm every decision like my character is defending them my decisions my my role today and for me and and i don't know if this one struck you the way that it struck me that manning your post doesn't mean you're stuck and i i don't know what yes. it is about like the last couple of years, but sometimes I feel stuck. I feel like, man, I know God has more for me. I know I'm supposed to be doing more things and I'm supposed to, you know, conquer the world and change the world and do all these things. I was created for that purpose. But right now I feel like I'm not doing anything. And I think that one spoke the most to me because it was like, you know what? I'm I'm not stuck. I'm doing I'm exactly where I need to be right now, doing exactly what I need to do, which is protecting, defending, and building. And I think that's that's a really important message for guys today.
1: That was so good. Remember, I wrote it down. He said, you're not stuck, you're stewarding. And I was just like, boom, wow, that is so incredible. And the, two, the imagery that comes to mind is, of course, we're talking about the fighting, uh, the Nehemiah building the wall. They got a brick in one hand, sword in the other. They're building this wall up. There's these holes as enemies are coming against them. But then the steward phrase throws out a parable that Jesus tells where he's talking about three men given are given talents by a leader that leader leaves to a far country and then those three are sitting there one buries it and then two others build it and it just this picture hit is like what were those other two experiencing you know when they're you know you've got the guy who went two and he had two more talents or there's another story where it's five more kingdoms and then there's another one ten more kingdoms but during that time where this guy's away We don't know how long it would have taken in this parable timing to build, but they would have had that feeling like I'm just here with my master's stuff. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, it's growing, it's getting better, but I'm stuck. And then the wall, if you can imagine having a brick, doing the whole masonry thing, you've got that, you know, that little triangle shovel and you're doing the masonry, then another brick, then another brick, but you can only work half as fast because you've got in your, another hand a sword. So that, wall is slowly building. Like they got to see that. We get to see that in the story, but we don't have that kind of imagery in our lives. You know, every day when I go to work, cause talking about feeling stuck. Yeah. The last few weeks, man, it's been brutal. Like, it's like, I can't get the right people in there. You know, I'm having turnover in my business and we're transitioning and we're growing, but man, it's uh, not, everything's growing at the same time. You know, it's like in middle school, your knees are growing faster than your legs and all these different things are happening. That's, so <laughs> we're in that in business. And, I, I, mean, I had that feeling too. Like, God, this is not turning over. Like, I'm not figuring this out, Lord. Like, I was telling someone just uh, the other day, like, I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, it just feels like I'm in a dark tunnel. Just nonstop doing all these, what feels like random things, but, and trying to put them all together. But that's what, so in that breakfast, I thought, oh yeah, those are like little bricks that I'm putting together on. I am slowly building because God's telling me to do all these random things. Like there are steps that I feel led to do by this Holy Spirit, but they don't necessarily seem to connect. Like, and they always all seem to fall short. Well, in that sense of building a wall, when you put it in that concrete of imagery, you do start to get the feeling like if he felt like he was stuck and the wall was halfway built, you'd want to tell that guy, keep building the wall. Like you're almost there. Like you are going to be three-fourths built. And then once it's fully built, that hole is repaired. And you'll move to a different space on the wall. And I can't help but think in my life and your life, that's moving to a different space of growth, a different space of employment, a different space of leadership, different space of family. Insert item here, whatever it is in your life, it's a different place. And that's when you move from stuck to a result of your stewardship. And that would, in that parable, when the guy came back, and he says, hey, you, with the two, here's two more. Hey, you, with the five, here's five more. Of course, then he goes to the third guy, takes his stuff. But those two <laughs> guys did the right thing. You know, They manned their posts, and they got to move on to different levels of leadership, different levels of whatever. Like I was saying, it could be anything in whoever's life that's listening to this podcast right now. Man, what an incredible point. Yeah, well, now I know why you were so excited about that last part. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, w- I want to get a little bit further into that point. I, and I think this ties into it where he he was talking about how Simon, uh, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was specifically you know, called out of his post to go and carry Jesus's cross. And at that moment, it didn't feel like an opportunity. At that moment, it, it felt like a punishment. But that was that was a teaching, that was a leadership moment. That was a uh, a, a huge serving moment. I mean, I don't know, I, I wish I could talk to Simon and just say, hey, you know, it's been five years since you carried Jesus' cross. What did that mean to you now? N- knowing the bigger picture. I'm sure it sucked when you did it, but knowing the bigger picture and maybe go 15, 20 years. And now he's seen some of the things that Alexander and Rufus has done. Let's go back to that moment where you were in the right place at the right time. It didn't feel like it. It didn't feel like the right opportunity, but you were in that position. You made a decision. You manned your post and you basically took the weight off of Christ. How many people can say that they did that? How many people can say One. <laughs> that I was I was there. I was there to help the savior of the world. And in and in in that whole processional and that whole thing, he he probably is the only person that helped Christ that entire time. For me, man, just that, that would be a huge moment. And so part of that is to just be ready, be ready, be willing, look at those opportunities. And sometimes those opportunities, they don't feel great. And sometimes those opportunities may feel like the worst day of your life. You might think that you're going to die. I think Simon potentially thought he was going to die. Here I am. I'm, I just, Got in from the fields. I got my kids with me, and now I'm getting beat and spit on just as much as Jesus is. But at the same time, looking back at that moment, having, you know, that, that hindsight to, to really weigh uh, that decision, which I don't even know if it was a decision for him. Wow. That is, that is something that, you know, for me, that should be a bigger part of the Bible. Like he should get like a couple Real. paragraphs Absolutely. maybe. Like, <laughs> yes.
1: Oh my gosh. He gets one line, but what's, here's what's awesome is you already told us in this hour of this podcast, you already told us how to be that guy. So picture this, he's standing there in the crowd. He didn't come planning. He's a spectator of some sort. I'm sure he's heard of Jesus at this point. He's walking up. He had to have already made some core value decisions of who he was. I mean, think about it. He may not even have been a follower of Jesus at that moment. Now, we are concluding because of Alexander and Rufus later on making an impact in the Bible that at some point in time, he became a follower of Jesus. So he's either there as a spectator because he was a follower, or he's there as a spectator because he wasn't. some point in time, he does. So, But his core values, his decisions to help somebody obviously in need, maybe to stand up for what's right, I'm not sure. I'm looking forward to talking to him. Like, that's that (laughs) those decisions were already made his core values who he was character wise had already said if they tell me to carry that cross i'm doing it he does it he's in the bible forever like this guy's i mean of all the think about even if he's like got one line all those other people who got no lines they never made it in he's got one line at least and then of course his sons get called out later and it's like that's incredible that's his core values. That's his character. He was already making consistent choices of an emotional decision. So when he got stuck with, you're carrying this cross, like I don't know the culture back then. Maybe he could have dropped it and said, I'm not doing it. I feel like that would have been an acceptable answer in that day. <laughs> Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe there's somebody out there that said, no, the Romans would have killed him on spot. It seems like they would have just grabbed somebody else, but they grabbed him out of the crowd. You know, Chris tells that story. He must have been a big, huge man of a man because they picked him out of a crowd so you're not gonna pick the skinny guy to carry the cross I mean
0: Jesus are yeah me, whenever I man. need to think about this something like that I just look in the mirror I'm like yeah that, that was a that was a Simon dude right there yeah
1: for sure like you're like yeah I'm sure you look in the mirror and think you're Simon anyways <laughs> but that's the, the truth about men. we all look in the mirror and think yeah I'm looking good like I gotta move some
0: stuff around to make it look like it but you know
1: Here's what I hate. I hate going to the gym and catching my side profile because that's when I see myself for who I really am. And I'm like, oh, man, who's the fat dude at the gym? And it's like, oh, that's me. Shoot. (laughs) Just don't go
0: to the gym. You don't have to worry about that.
1: Yeah, but then you catch it. at. (laughs) You got to get rid of all the mirrors then at the house because anyway. um, Yeah, man. (laughs) Core values. That is what keeps us. Well, something you were saying earlier, I was thinking about, man, when I'm not thinking about my core values, I lose confidence to man my post. But when I am, I have the opportunity to respond like Simon the Cyrene did and be like, yes, call me out in a moment. I'm doing it. I will do the right thing. You know, He said that phrase too, let your kids catch you doing something right. Man, that hit me. I was like, yes, that is." but you only get to do that if you're doing the right things when nobody's looking.
0: That's right. That's right. That's your character. Your yes. character is revealed oh, yes. a lot of the times when people aren't looking. Now, having your kids catching you uh, doing something right, Man, that's – I think that for the most part, even though we don't think about it, they probably catch us doing all sorts of stuff. Like, you know, we're like, hey, get off your iPads, get off your phones, and we're sitting there on our phones. Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. You know, they're catching me do that all the time. But if I can have them catch me doing the right things – Man, that's that's something that I want to strive towards. That I took that as a challenge. I, I hope I hope that you know you guys listening that obviously, you know, you're listening to this. Maybe you go back and listen to what Chris said. But when he says that, take that as a challenge because that's an opportunity for us to step into leadership. It's an opportunity for us to maybe course correct a little bit of our character and start becoming the man that we were created to be and surrounding ourselves with the kinds of people that are going to challenge us to make those kinds of decisions but i think that's a worthy challenge i think that's something that for me and hopefully for you that oh let's just make it homework matt your homework for this week is and and listeners your homework for this week week is to have your kids catch you doing something right that's good if you do something like that um you know i want to hear about it you know send a message to uh I don't know. Do we have a way for people to respond? I don't think we have a way for people to respond. We'll have to figure that out, but let's, let's do, yeah, do this. Post it on our Facebook page. If you go yeah. to the brotherhood Facebook page, post an example of uh, when your kids caught you doing something right. We want to hear about it and hopefully we can talk about it. So with that, Matt, I know we're, we're kind of stretching this out a little bit. We need to kind of wrap it up. Um, I think we talked about most of the things, unless, you know, there's something that I'm missing here, but, Man, I'm encouraged. I'm excited. I know we got Pastor Willie George coming back in April uh, to speak. And we got Stephen Posey coming in March. So we have a lot of really great content coming up uh, that I'm excited to hear about. Uh, And then as we continue to to build this, if you listen to the Dave Jewett podcast, uh, you got to hear a little bit of some of the direction that we're trying to take uh, additional parts of this podcast in terms of bringing more people uh, to have some of these conversations to talk about. Obviously, you're one degree, which is a fantastic program. But what I want to do and and what we're hoping to do with this podcast, too, is to create opportunities for us to keep bringing more of that brotherhood around each other. Even if it's somebody who doesn't have any influence in your life, it doesn't have any relationship with you, a guy like Chris, to me, can speak directly into my life and help me better refine and build my character so that when I'm in an opportunity that I can be caught doing something right, I'm going to do
1: it. Man, it's good. Man, yeah, thank you so much. It's such a great podcast with Dave Jewett. If you get a chance and you're listening, swing over and uh, download that one as well. Um, awesome time with you, Evan. Love, love doing this. Thank you so much for the opportunity. This has been such a fantastic time. I've learned so much, even on the second round, as always, when we go from and we respond to the breakfast. Man, thank you. Absolutely. As Chris said, we need men
0: of character. So let's be those men. Remember, love the brotherhood, honor all people, fear God, and honor the King. We'll catch you on the next podcast.